Good morning. How's it going, Chris? Hello. Things are going pretty good. Good. At uh, Rennie Doyle Podcast. What do you got on your shirt? On my shirt today, it is, and I'm ready for this one. I know. It's a Mini Cooper. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is a, uh, it says Full Monty, but it's from the uh, 1965 Monte Carlo Rally. This is car number 52. Wow. And, and the first year that the Mini won it in Monte Carlo was 1964. So it won two back-to-back -back years. Um, actually, I think it won more than that. But uh, anyway, pretty good accomplishment for a little car. Um, I know this year it beat out a 911. That was car number number two. Did it really? Yep. Wow. So it's a lot. Uh, hey, the, the Mini Cooper is a mighty little machine. <laughs> Coming from a big fan, right? So, yep. full Monty, did you add that part on, or did it come with the shirt? Oh no, it came like that. It came yeah. like that. It's another another fun play on words from Blipshift. So, being a uh, you know conservative, nice Mormon boy, do you know what a full Monty is? I do. Okay. I do, but I got the shirt anyway. <laughs> Have you ever given your wife a full Monty? You know? Well, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> Come on, man. We, 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 we have some, some very nice, you know, clean-cut detailers on right now. We do? I think. There's like four of them. That's including yeah. you. And, and, and uni's watching. We have to, you know... Oh, she's 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 worse than we are. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, hey, we want to reach out. We want a special thanks to PNS. Uh, and uh, wow, you just switched me. I just I just moved on the screen. I I did. Uh, you know, PNS is celebrating sixty years uh, in business, and the Phillips family they're they're pretty incredible. Uh, if I must say myself, but you didn't ask me. Hey, you know what? Do you know what's in my cup? Well, I don't. Um, I mean, I could assume it might be a special blend of uh, coffee, but yeah, you know, it's it's the uh, PNS Double Black Swirl Killer Coffee 60th Anniversary. So our our normal coffee is really strong. This one's oh, it is dialed. And uh, Mr. Gill, one of our students, sent me a hand press. Thank you, sir. And so I took and uh, made it this morning, and it is delicious. And last week, you'll you'll be happy to know. Anytime that you you would vacuum press it, <clears throat> the guys did you notice that they just went like like they got busy? Yeah, they, well, they, I think they got a little jittery. Yeah, they got busy, and so. But uh, you only know, want to thank uh, PNS for coming in and sponsoring this. So I got to take a sip now and again on my 60th anniversary. It's not my 60th anniversary. I'm not that old, <laughs> uh, but you know, you are getting close. I'm getting, I am getting close. I'm getting close, but that's okay. I'm one of these guys. You know, do, do do birthdays bother you? No, but but the birthday doesn't bother me. But sometimes I look back and I go, "Holy cow, what happened to it all?" You know? Yeah, but you know, birthdays I celebrate because I never thought I'd be alive this long, uh, especially two or three times in my life where I was pretty sure I was dead right then and there at that moment. Um, so it's, pre it's pretty cool to be able to, you know, still be alive. But I figured out, I think I was telling you, I don't know who I was telling, but I figured it out. I kind of drink, I, I kind of laid out, you know, the rest of my life, of everything I got to fit in and we got to get science moving, dude, because I, I, you know, I'm 55 years old and I calculate I need another 75 years to get everything done. And, uh, and I'm just, the, the, the numbers aren't matching up, you know? <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're working on it though. I know somebody out there is working on it. 
as long as you can stay healthy, you know, and do shit. But now I got to start doing the, you know, the, the priority stuff, uh, you know, sooner. Hey, we lost a, uh, we had an uh, airplane crash here yesterday. I saw that. I saw it on the news. Yeah. Took it into a vacant field. Thank goodness. You know, a little PA-28. Um, so far, I think the, both occupants have, are alive. So That's what it looked like. Yeah. So they, they did airlift them out. But, uh, you know, it's big news in Big Bear. But this time of year, every year, every summer, everybody comes up from the flatlands. You know, we're almost at 7,000 feet. That air density gets to them. You know, they just don't plan on it uh, being like that here, and, and it, it gets them. So, so hey, you know, um, this is really exciting today. Let's talk about something that a lot of people, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of chatter. And so I want to kind of clarify things and maybe get your mind opening to, even in this opening segment, of, of how society views. Hey, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany says hi. Hi. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. It's a lot better than having to look at him. So. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure he's very cute to you. Um, no, she, just put, she just puts up with me. This is very cute. You're cute for it, Chris. I'm going hurt your feelings, you know? So, you know, 35 years of starting and opening businesses, not just a lot of people don't realize this, that, you know, even now I'm, I'm looking, Chris hasn't even heard this last little, well, you've heard tidbits of it, but, you know, um, I'm going back into a business that we had going, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, and going to kind of revive it. And uh, and it, it's not going to take much of my time and anything else, but it's, it's still, you know, I've never stopped opening business up. We've been in a lot of different industries um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So, you know, here's the amazing thing is that revenue versus income. That's today's topic. And I think a lot of people don't look at it with the right eyes. And, you know, we're, we're in the infancy stage of being a sophisticated industry is that uh, there wasn't, there was a handful of us that was really running it like it was a, a full fledged you know, entrepreneurial operation uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, really even 10 years ago. Um, it, it, it started to change about a decade ago, but in the last six, seven years, it's really kicked into high gear. Uh, with, with, wouldn't you say, Chris, in your time frame in the, in the industry and watching it, would you would you agree with that statement? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, I it's like a snowball, you know. It's gotten a lot better. So check this out. This is how Webster's Dictionary is they take in classify entrepreneurship the activity of setting up a business or businesses taking on financial risk in the hope of profit now this is i think is absolute bullshit this tells you where society even the folks at webster's think about it is that with the hope of profit i okay my first business which really let's go back spectrum detailing that was a kid it, it was it it didn't start out as a business it ended kind of as a business yeah i sold it but that was by the skin of my teeth and in a lot of luck you know and just being I, I think just being a pain in the ass to the competitors in the area i really think that's what did it but in reality a lot of what we're going to talk about now wasn't put into motion until my latter businesses and a lot of it we've just had to learn uh through going over it's 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 kind of like you know, I, I tell people I was a really rough rock. I mean, jagged edges and everything else. And and over time, over life, is the waters of the creek lifted, 
went over my surfaces and smoothed me out. Yeah, but, and now now you're smooth as a baby's butt. I am, but you know what? Here's the deal. Check this out. Okay. Hypothyroidism. I've had a, I've had a thyroid you know disorder now for it looks like you know 20 years or more, and it and it kicked in when mom was sick. You know the story. But part of the thing is you lose the outer edge of your eyebrows. Well, mine have all come back in. So they've all grown back in now because I've got it, you know, I've got this whole dietary thing figured out. I've got all the, the, the stuff. You see the handful of supplements I take every day. But here's what's happening. This is weird. Now, it's not a lot. I don't want to get you excited on how I'm going to look at hair again. But I've got stubble growing all over the top of my head that I haven't had in 20 years. And it's like, I, I kind of keep playing with it. It's like, wow. You know, it kind of feels weird, but when you haven't had something in 20 years, right? It's just, new. yeah, but <laughs> back to, it's going back to that rock is that I was real jagged edge. And just like many of us, many of us is that, you know, um, the high school education barely made it through. I started out college, quit college, um, didn't end up getting my degrees until I was in my you know forties for my bachelor's fifties for my master's. And, and really, then it was just going back. It was out of a pride thing of going back. Really, it's my kids. My kids going on to school, and 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 I uh, I wanted to finish it. I wanted to do the right things. Um, did I learn a lot from that? Yeah, I, I always say that school is great because you learn to learn. You learn how to learn correctly. You learn how to study. And with me having a learning disability, I've really I've got certain ways I learn, and I'm a practical, hands-on guy. So that stream coming over, you know, those that jaggedness all these years has really smoothed it out and brought everything into groupings. Now, that doesn't mean I wasn't successful or I wasn't making money. It just I've learned to do it better, you know, over the years. And I think that's natural. I think you could even get Warren Buffett on the line and talk to him and say, hey, you know, did you get better and better? And I, I, I bet he'd say he was at peak, you know, in the last in the last decade. You know, and he's and, not, and more, more efficient, right? more efficient. And, and you, and you get eyes for things. You get feelings for things. You get gut, gut, gut feelings for things. You can look at uh, a PNL. We're going to talk about PNLs here in a second. I can go right down through it and, and kind of, and feel comfortable or not. And so <clears throat> I think that the, the entrepreneur, you look at the dictionary in the hope of profit. And I think too many people start, especially in an easy entry industry like detailing, they start out with that mindset, a hope for profit, a hope of profit. And I, I think you got to get away from that. I think that when you go in, there is no plan B. Is that, you, but you've got to be smart. Now, some of the th things that I wish I would have done in the early days was being able to recognize trouble. When I was in trouble, I just couldn't recognize it. I tried to market myself out of it, even as early as 08, when 08 hit is that I really knew we were in for something. We felt it in 2007 and started liquidating things. Just like right now is, is go down and the shit that you're buying. Let me, let me go back. The, the items that you're buying, <laughs> it comes into, it comes into play. You think I'm being correct. I'm not, uh, is, is it comes into two things, wants and needs. And so I've shifted the last couple, two, three months into needs versus any wants. Wants is the shit that you want. Needs is the stuff that you need. And so really what we're doing is conserving money. And it's not because, uh-oh, uh we're afraid of what's going to happen. It's, uh-oh, we're going to take and jump on opportunities when it does happen. So we want more cash in the bank <clears throat> to do things because when this thing it does, is it going to self-correct? Is it going to be late? I've, I've heard all these different things. Listen, we don't have the junk. 
we don't have the junk loans out there that we did or not the number of them uh, although they're out there is yeah. there's assistant buying for people that are getting in their first or second homes and those spook me a little bit there are a lot of those but not nothing like 08 but what does scare me is there's a lot of people into cars with 84 months of financing that shouldn't be in those cars there's a lot of people into RVs. You know, it's funny. I, I drove by an RV lot the last couple of days, and it it was almost empty. I mean, compared to what it was two years ago. You uh, know, the fun the fun thing here in LA is to drive around and see a hundred thousand dollar car in a driveway of a house that's got weeds that are six feet tall and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I took I took Diane through my neighborhood not too long ago and showed her that very fact. I said, "Look at these rundown houses. They're small houses, and most of them are rental houses." But they've got two cars, you know, homeboy and homegirl have got a, a nice car each. Uh, we're, we're total, you know, $120,000, $130,000. So they got $60,000, $80,000 rides in a house they don't own, in a house they're not upkeeping. And and that that's the, and, and I grew up, that's where I grew up, that's how I grew up, you know, and a certain part of my family is still there. Uh, I just decided, yeah, I was told, and I think I told you this. Uh, a friend of mine called me on social media and said I lost my Colton in me. And yeah, yeah. I said, man, I'll, I'll never lose my Colton. My Colton gives me my edge, but I did leave and I'm not, I, and no regrets, you know, no regrets. I left pretty early. I still love Colton. Colton's my home. I just spent some time there the last couple of days. Um, but I, 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 it doesn't mean that I want to, I'm proud of where I grew up and I'm, I'm glad I grew up there, but I'm also glad I live where I live. Um, I worked hard to get here. So let's talk about this. Where does your revenue versus income start? It starts, believe it or not, it starts with your strategic menu design. What's uh, strategic menu design mean? It means that, you know, the big guys, look at, let's look at the restaurants, successful restaurants. Anybody that's got a menu, and I'm going to talk about my favorite, and anybody throw it up there on the screen if you know who it is. It's won all kinds of awards, and in my heart, and I don't even eat there too often, but I think it's the best menu out of in, pretty much any business I've ever seen is that I think that we can learn a lot from it. But first off, let's, let's start with the strategic menu design. You got to know your cost. That's the first thing is know what it's going to cost you to do each one of those services. The next thing is know my market, my client's habits and their desires. Okay. Their wants versus their needs. Now, believe it or not, I address their wants, but I sell, or excuse me, I, I address their needs, but sell to their wants. Meaning what I do is I want to clean up their car, make it look good. But what they don't know is they need a ceramic coating. Does that make sense? Because I can make so much more profits on the correction and applying the coatings. And so I'm, I'm, I'm taking it now. Do they absolutely need a coating? Yeah, some people do, uh, some more than others. But here's the deal is it's my job to responsibly educate them and show them what's available because a lot of people don't. Now, we're getting demands for coatings like I never would have dreamed. You know, it's so cool to see what, you know, we've been part of that with Double Black, all these different coating companies to, to go out there and have the, 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 the need increased by the public. It's pretty cool. Uh, now, competitors offers. Look at your competitor. I don't spend too much time looking at my competitors. But I want to see what their menu looks like. A lot of times it's in shambles if they do have one. A lot of people just shoot from the hip, sell from the hip, and you never get to that. But a good operation, they'll have a menu. I want to see what theirs looks like. 
How are they doing at selling off of it? How are they doing at presenting it? What are the price points? And and again, I don't. I've never made the mistake of coming underneath a competitor's price. I've always met that price, but most of the time, ninety percent of the time, we've been we've been well above that price. We always wanted to take an inner market, dominate dominate a market, and rule a market by being the high, highest priced option. Now it wasn't the highest price. It's the highest quality. It's the most engaging. All of this comes back to your revenue versus income. Um, you know, I, go ahead, Chris. You know, you, you mentioned uh, shooting from the hip, and uh, you know, having an actual menu, and and maybe even a, a worksheet to work off of based on that menu when you get out to give a quote gives you a lot more credibility with people. Absolutely. You know? To have an iPad, you know, or a tablet, and work off of that. I mean, I know Rigo Santana. We both know Rigo. Rigo was a master. As a matter of fact, I used to tease him, and he would never go anywhere without his his iPad. And it was his menu. He'd flip through the pages. He had a really nice PDF built. And I, I don't know if you were there that one time. We we're down at detailing.com. And Rigo, if you guys don't know him, Rigo's a pretty macho dude, right? You know, I mean, he's he's uh, there's not a soft part of Rigo. And he handed me his his tablet he goes hey would you take some pictures of me you know i want to show my girl when i get home i said absolutely uh so i proceeded to go around the entire room there i think there's 26 guys there taking this training and i went and stood back behind each one of them took a picture of their ass and and walked on and so rigo gets on you know i i put pictures of him in and so i take six pictures of him and then a different butt and then a, a, a six pictures of him and then a different butt so he gets home and he's explaining to his family with these butt shots in there. He, he called me up the next day. He goes, I swear to God, I'm going to kill you. He goes, I had to explain to her that I wasn't the one taking pictures of these guys' butts. But anyway, you can tell I had like to have fun. Um, I know my man out. And Chris, it's right. Is is having that laid out. It's, it's just like the notes today. I don't do anything without a layout. Very, very few things without a layout. Probably too organized. I probably try to organize too many things. Uh, in my life. So um, even my bike, you can see my, you can see my motorcycle back there. I'm organizing. I got, I got accessories. Accessories. I was yeah. going to ask you why it's uh, taken apart. Yeah, I got accessories. So I've got stuff going on. I'm changing the suspension a little bit. I got some uh, new riding gear yesterday. So uh, cool. the suspension, so things like that. But um, know your man hours on each one of your, not just, not just your daily, but on each service, really calculate and pay attention to it. And then I know my culture is what's my culture, meaning what is my niche? What does what do I as an entrepreneur like to do? And what do I like my staff to do? Is what are we really good at? And what can we take and show the rest of the world that we're good at? Because when you have energy, high energy about something, is you're gonna be able to sell it better and, and people are gonna buy into it a lot better. So it's not always the it, people make the mistake that it's the highest price thing on the menu that will make you the most. Yeah, it will bring in the most dollars, but will it bring in the most man hour dollars? There's a big question. Back to my culture is so many people don't sell what they like and um, or or they don't like what they sell. And you've got to get comfortable. Uh, a wash claim protect. That's something that we talk about a lot in the training program. And I can see. I can see light bulbs go off and dislike for it before we ever started. But yet there's a Jeep in the back still that we did last week. And, and once we were done, the, the guys, all four of them in the class, even the intern, Matt was like, oh, my God, look at that thing. We never touched the polisher to it. Right. But yet the sellers frown on that. 
So um, let's talk about this. Simple but effective. Uh, we're going to go through three characteristics. A simple menu, a very effective menu, and then a mediocre example, and then a challenged but successful menu. And I want to talk about all these from a consumer standpoint. Okay. Simplest, best menu to buy from in the world is In-N-Out Burger. They don't yeah, have Mark, Mark Nelson typed that in. He, he yeah. was on it. He was. Because they don't have salads. They don't have, you know, you get one size fry. You get a number. I mean, it, and again, I only eat there. We don't have one close to us. Is, is uh, you get a number one, you know, a double-double. Uh, a number two, which is their regular burger. Single. Right? Yep. yep. And then what's the number three? I've never ordered a number three. Oh, man, that's a really good question. I've never ordered number three. <laughs> I've never ordered number one, number two. Oh, without, uh, burger without cheese, I think. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I think that's it. We'll have to see if anybody knows on, on the call. Um, you know, real simple. And they know what they are. They know, they've they got incredible culture. I don't care where you're at in the world. You probably have at least heard of In-N-Out Burger. And everybody strives to go eat there once. Now, let me tell you, it is not Smash Mouth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick up for it. Uh, White Castle or In and Out, In and Out all day long. Sorry, guys, I've eaten at both In and Out all day long. But well, here's what they do: they're known for being clean. They're known for being effective. They pay their staff very good. Um, they're not having near the shortage of employees that other companies are, even though they're facing it in California. But they, because they pay so well and they give opportunity, uh, their their longevity there is very long. It's ten times that of McDonald's. That's how good their culture is. So that's why I put culture into this is developing that. Even in your menu design, think about that. Now, a mediocre example of this is copycat menu design within our industry. Is that means going out to the next eye. I look at, you could go to 25 websites right now and you think you're dealing with three different companies. Is that so many people, and the reason why is I get really into it, the pillars of success are really important in menu design. You've got to go into those three pillars. And those three pillars are you, okay, who you are. I include me in the menu. Rennie's favorite, you know. Um, that's really, really, really important. And then relationships, connecting with people, that's really important. That's pillar number two. And then lastly, marketing, is you got to be really smart and savvy in the design and layout of your menu so that it makes sense. It's easy to take and adjust to and sell off of. And then number four is the, the challenge but successful example is Cheesecake Factory. Is that, yeah, they're a very successful operation, but their menu is disastrous, if you ask me. There's so many things on their menu. So many things, and I usually falter over to one of the cheaper things. That's human nature, is that when you're given so many options, you'll go with a cheaper item. And I don't know what the psychology is behind that. I got to look into it. But we were just there a couple weeks ago. We went. Diane had an appointment down the hill. We walked in, and uh, we knew we knew our favorite thing. What we always get because that's how program we are. We don't want to go through the hassle of looking through that whole damn menu, and then we couldn't find it. And the reason why they changed the name somewhat, so we had to ask for help. Man, to me, that's the wrong menu. And so many people in our industry have designed their menu where they got everything on one page and it's really confusing. And it's basically, it, it's, it's, it's shooting an arrow in the dark blindfolded and, and hit, you don't care if you hit the apple, the pear or the pumpkin, you know, you're just, you're just shooting you're, as a customer, you're just shooting to pick something. 
where if you really target, think of a menu as, as, a, as a funnel. Because it starts up here, but it guides your customers down into a narrow channel where they have very few uh, choices. Those choices are narrowed down on purpose because you know what you can make money at, you know what you can be profitable at, and you know what your customers enjoy, and it, and it supports your company's culture. Does that make sense? It better. Now, yeah. <clears throat> think the wealthy when you're thinking about revenue versus income. We're going to get into some big key terms here in just a minute. Is that revenue? That's your gross. That's your gross sales. Your income is your net. That's what's left after everything is said and done. But your revenue is not your income. You know, I recently had somebody explain to me that they were they were selling every year that they were making X amount of dollars. And we're sitting in private. I asked this individual, I said, okay, is that your total sales or is that what you're making? No, that's what our company brought in last year. So, okay, that's not what you're making. That's your gross. Your net is after, after everything's said and done is your expenses of paying everything. Is That's what's left is your cost of goods, your expenditures. What's your assets and liabilities? Understand, do you guys really know what a true asset and a liability is is understand this what is an asset an asset is something that's making you money or a tool that you're making money with a liability is something that's just costing you money a lot of people look at a shop as a liability i've always looked at a shop as an asset but i look at the shop as an asset if you own it i look at it as a liability if you rent it so there's the difference right profit and loss statements your PLs everybody under, you should understand PLs now here's a great thing I want to tell you guys right now there's a lot of great online college uh, classes you can take on business finance because of covid one of the things that's popped out is even probably your local junior college is going to offer a lot of online classes if you don't understand business finance take some classes you should be able to take and not only read but build a PL for your company you should be looking at that daily, if not at least weekly. Your shop rates. Know your shop. What is your shop rate for different things? Now, my shop rate changes, and this is what we, we, we preach to people in training, is that your everyday detailing services, all your different things, that's one price. But your problem solvers, scratch removal, odor removal, stain removal, that shop rate jumps up because that's an added talent that you've had to learn and perfect and it's going to cost them a little extra and so you need to look at that is you need to look at what kind of company are you are you a sole proprietor an llc or a corporation now don't go to an attorney go to a cpa and figure out what you need to be a lot of people for some reason will jump right into an llc or corporation and a lot of times guess what all it is is another set of taxes you've got to do in another layer a lot of times when you're small and, and, and I, I, I listen to a lot of pros on this, and a lot of people are still saying, with our type of company is a sole proprietor. There's nothing wrong with that, is that you can still write a lot of things off. A lot of people think, oh, LLC will protect me in case I damage something. That's what you have insurance for. And if you damage something so bad that they're going to come after you, that LLC is not going to protect you. Is that good attorney is going to pierce that thing, go straight to you. It just happened in the detailing industry a couple of years ago. With a detailer that lost a car on a uh, on a lift, and they went through, man, and they they got everything that 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 dude had saved up for. They attached themselves to everything. That LLC did nothing to protect them. All it did was cost him more in legal fees because the 
the, the, the attorneys on the other side are going after legal fees from him. So they're charging him anyway to go after his own LLC. I'm not saying it's useless. I'm just saying, go talk to your CPA and figure it out. There's some, believe it or not, there's some advantages to being a sole proprietor when you're little and you're new. And so you got to go figure those things out. And then tax write-offs is you've got to figure out on your books what you can write off. Because Diane and I have gotten very creative, always have been. But as we take and we get older, again, remember that water running over the rock, it's smoothed it out. And so we're learning what we can get away with and what we can't. And what we do is we watch, we, we, our CPAs deal with very wealthy people. So we take and we, yeah, we pay more, but we get more. Is that detailers are the first one to say, hey, man, God, people always chew me down a price. And then they go and they look for the cheapest thing they can buy when they're trying to buy things themselves. No, no, no. With a CPA, do not scan. They, if H&R Block is doing your taxes, you may want to rethink things because you've got a lot of things that you, you're, you're probably missing with H&R Block. Tax shelters. Now, these are not tax write-offs. Is this is this is things that you can invest in, such as medical savings accounts, uh, 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 educational uh, investments for your children, uh, sa savings accounts for your children. All these things that you can do uh, to take and save money. Also, 1031, 1033 land exchanges when you're selling real estate. All these things that you can do are called before-tax dollar investments. Is that can really take? They're going to again think like a true entrepreneur, think like a wealthy person, and then real estate is that you need to take and start thinking about real estate, not just your home, but investment property. Start out small. You know, I, the, you know, people say any regrets. Probably the only regret I wish that I would have been able to do and would have seen it. You know, when your family's growing, it's really tough. I'm going to beat myself up too much on this. But a couple of the houses I had, I wish I would have not got rid of. I really didn't need the money to go to the next house. I could have made it happen and then just rent that out is that my net worth could be double or triple, quadruple what it is right now had I been able to do that. So now you can't say you've never heard that. And you're never too old. You're never too young. Get on this right away. So let's talk about the topic of the day. Revenue is not your income. Okay? Think of this. Everything you need, your labor, your lease, your mortgage at home, your materials, your insurance, your investments in equipment, improvements, education, taxes, all come out of your revenue. Your income is what is left at the end of that. Now, if you're smart, you're going to use tax write-offs, tax shelters to take and make that income actually more than what it looks like on paper because you're utilizing some of the things that you can legally write off in your business in your personal life. Uh, for instance, right now is, you know, we all know vehicles are at a premium, but it's a great time is because they think they're going to get rid of the tax Trump, uh, the, the, the Trump tax initiative that where you could go out and buy a certain type of vehicle weighing, I believe it was a bed of six feet or over, and you're going to have to check with your CPA on this, um, and it has to weigh 6,000 pounds or more, and it's you can write off. You don't have to depreciate it over years. It's a one-time write-off. That means if you go out and buy a $70,000 vehicle, you can write off $70,000 of tax liability should you have. You're not going to get a credit back you know, for three years from it, but if you've got a huge tax liability coming up, that might be a great one to check into with your CPA. Well, so, it lowers your lowers your taxable income. Absolutely. And those are two different incomes too, right? You have your income, but then you have your taxable income. You do. And then the more, again, what I like about doing things like that, we're actually looking into it right now. Is be, and I really don't like to, because I don't want to spend money on a you know on a truck. My truck's paid for, and the new one will be paid for, but it's cash out of pocket. I, 
But you know what? It's it, it. Here's how that I look at it too. We utilize the truck as a shop truck. The students drive it while they're here. It doesn't get many miles on it. We could use the tax write-off, and now we've got a, a truck for another six to ten years. That's paid for. So do we? Do we take the? Do we? Do we take that money that we really don't want to spend? And we'd rather put in savings and get a tax break. And to Chris's point, maybe that lowers our tax our tax spot personally. You know, to we're we're not up. So there's a lot of things we're looking at too, and we look into we we don't make these decisions on a whim. We think about it and mull over it, and then we have our CPA help us with that decision. That's how a wealthy wealthy person thinks. You cannot. You got to get it and bring it back up to you're running this thing like it's a business. So now let's talk about the hundred dollar an example. You know, a lot of people I talk about it all the time. Minimum hit for that hundred dollars, hundred dollars, hundred dollars. But you know what? In today's world, right now as we speak. There are places in the country that it's pretty inexpensive to live and, and do business. I'll give you that. But there's not too many places in the country left where $100 an hour is going to make you wealthy, believe it or not. I don't care if you're fixed or if you're mobile. And the reason why is that, like, oh, for instance, right now, if you can find somebody for 20 bucks an hour, and I know a lot of you, I, I've had, I've had, messages and text messages and instant instant messages and dm messages you know hey i'm trying to find somebody how do i you know and my first thing out of my mouth is i come back hey what are you what are you looking at paying somebody and usually it's like ah 12 13 bucks an hour you're not going to find them I, I don't care where you're at chris you there still uh-oh so i'm going to keep going chris just disappeared Hey, let me know, guys. Am I still there? Oh, cool. I am. Wow. Okay. Hey. Okay. Sorry. So I'm just going to keep going because Chris bowed out. Um, he had his internet went down. So, okay. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the $20 an hour. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. Is that 20 bucks an hour? You know, a lot of people think about that for 12 bucks. Let's go back to that. You know, I hate to say it, there's not too many places in the country right now that you're going to attract the kind of people that you need to, to attract for 12, 15 bucks. Is really at, at $20 an hour, think of this, by the time that you pay all the taxes, by the time you make all the investments in your personnel, you're really, when you write that check, is you're going to take and you're going to be writing a check for $28 an hour. Because what you're going to have to do is you're paying them 20 bucks an hour, but what it's going to end up costing you by the time that you pay all the taxes and everything else is at least, depending on where you, you are, is at least $20, $28 an hour. So you got to calculate that. Now, what kills shops? This is, let's going to talk about shops and then we're going to talk about mobile. And they really blend into each other. So let's talk about each one of them. But what kills shop? Over the top, overhead. I mean, just wait is that when you're overhead and we have a slowdown, see what happens to that overhead. But right now, a lot of people is they are bleeding money out on their overhead and they're not watching that. It is labor costs, their labor rates, is they simply have too much staff for what they're bringing in. It's usually not what they're paying people that's killing them, it's the number of people they have on staff. So you gotta really be careful with that. Um, now next is the wrong staff is listen, man, again, we go back into culture, is if you've got the wrong people on, I'm telling you, it's going to kill you, is that I would rather do more myself, slow the pace down, than have the wrong people helping me, is that, I'm going to say that again, 
I would rather slow the pace down and sell less until I find the right people than I do by hiring the wrong, the wrong people on and sending the wrong message out. And then too much shop on the, on the side of fixed locations is just too much shop for you to handle is that we always were the minimalist type. Um, you, you, you got to take in, and we, we, we were able to get up to over a million dollars a year in a 1200 square foot shop. Now we didn't take and keep that going year after year. We realized, matter of fact, at that point, we cut about, oh, almost, almost half of our sales out, uh, a, a little under half, uh, about 40%. What we found out was, is that that 40% was useless. It was the wrong services at the wrong prices. What we're able to do is we're able to greatly cut down on our staff in our little 1200 foot shop while it was still very crowded. It was doable. It was workable. And so now let's talk about what kills mobile operations too cheap is you guys always, I don't know why, but you guys always think that you need to take and compete with the, the, the shop guys and be cheaper is in reality, your travel, which is the next item on the list. It actually increases your cost. Your highest cost is always going to be labor. Whether it's your own labor or additional labor, it's going to be one of the highest costs that you've got. And so when, it, when, when you're mobile is you got to take, bring the price up. It's a luxury service. Charge for it. Next is your travel time. Be realistic with your travel time and make sure that you're including that travel time in your daily hours. And so if you leave it at five, five or uh, eight in the morning, and you get back at five in the afternoon, a lot of people will not include their travel time in those hours. You have to. From the time you're gone till the time you get back, that clock is ticking. And then labor rates is a lot of times the, sh the, the shops are a lot more productive than the mobile operators. There's no reason for that. You mobile operators, I'm, I operated mobile for years. Yeah, it's a little more of a headache. Yeah, you got to set up and tear down and all that good stuff. But if you have a system and process and it's SOP and you stick with it and it's solid and everybody knows what they're doing, you can do it almost as quickly as the mobile guys or the fixed guys can. And you can be very, very efficient at it. And then not being legitimate. That's one of the biggest expenditures that you mobile guys have. What do I mean by that is that you're not paying your taxes. You're not take in pain uh, overhead such as workers comp. Let me give you a challenge right, right now. If you're out on a job site and you got somebody helping you under the table, okay, is what's going to happen is if that person gets hurt, if that person gets hurt, trips over a hose, uh, falls and breaks their arm or something like that, they might not even come after you. But what's going to happen is if it gets reported, it slipped out that it happened on the job and OSHA comes after you, that's going to cost you a lot of money is it doesn't cost that much more to be legit. And listen, I know it. I started out the same way as you guys did is that I tried to beat the system for a little while. You know what I beat was luck is that we never got in trouble and we could have very easily. But looking back now, we've seen a lot of people where we dodged a bullet. We were smart about it and we did it for a very short time, but we dodged an absolute bullet. Is your company worth it? Is all your hard work worth it? It's not. It is not worth it. Um, to many people, uh, mixing up revenues and net income, please know the difference. Is again, think about, think about how wealthy people run their businesses. Is you've got to legitimize your business. You got to think about your gross income, your revenue, 
and then you're you're and then and then what you're going to bring out of it and again learn what is an asset and what is liability learn what you can write off learn what you can bring take and bring home you know we buy for instance is that we'll take and buy some toilet paper and if the shop if the house is running low I'll come out and still fill a few few rolls from the shop borrow a few rolls from the shop um, those are great things there's different ways that you can take and write things off to where it eases your life your life up and eases the liability on your income needs for you yourself now I want to thank you for uh, taking and attending today sorry for the little mix-up uh, in the breakdown uh, Chris left but I was still on thank God uh, do us a huge favor if you've enjoyed these podcasts make sure to uh, to save it on your feed some make some comments and then make sure to stay in contact with us so the easiest way to get to me uh, is going to be email. It's Rennie at DetailingSuccess.com. Chris is the same way as Chris at DetailingSuccess.com. And again, guys, I'm going to take and leave you with this, is that think like a wealthy person. Don't minimize your business. Don't think you're just a detailer. Don't think that you're anything but great. But do us a favor, is that you've got to think smart revenue and income versus flying off the seat of your pants. So, hey, you guys take care. Thanks again for attending. Uh, it's wonderful coming to you guys. Uh, happy detailing all. We'll see you next time.